Greg Rubel of Living Streams Community Church in McCordsville, Indiana. We want to thank you for your interest in God's Word and this message. We pray that God puts it into your heart. So, as I said, we were gone for a few days and um, uh, we went down to St. Augustine, Florida, uh, to soak up as much sun and surf as our skin could handle. And it was, uh, it was good to be down there. Uh, one, one thing that we like to do when we're there is just walk on the beach. And I especially like to do that in the morning when there's less people and the, uh, the seas are calm and the sun's doing things that, you know, just proclaim the glory of God, you know, bouncing off the water and, and doing things in the sky. You know what I mean, right? Um, so it's just incredible uh, to, to see that and experience that. So beach walking is something we like to do. Um, but, you know, I was thinking about walking. I, I, feel like, I feel like walking gets a bad rap, you know? I mean, it, I mean, it, it sounds kind of boring. I mean, you're not, you're not going to get anywhere fast walking. And so running gets all the glory, doesn't it? I mean, it, it just, it just, uh, it seems like, you know, you, you go to the swimming pool and, you know, what do you hear? Walking is doled out as a punishment, right? Tweet, walk! As a lifeguard, I did that, I did that a lot. And then, and then last, last week, right, if you were here, Pastor Shane ended his message with the, with the great quote from, from Eric Lydell, you know, when I run, I feel God's pleasure. Chariots of Fire, you know, a whole movie about running. Where are the movies about walking? You know, the only time walking is an, an exciting thing is when you first learn how to do it, and you can't even remember that, right? Now, just just check out Sam. You know, he's, he's learning how to walk these days, so just check him out. Did, did you know that walking is an Olympic sport? I know, you wouldn't know that, right? Because it doesn't show up on primetime TV. You never see that. The race walking, it's been around since 1904. You know, the men, they can walk to a 12-mile race or a 30-mile race. The so women got to do the 12-mile race in 1992. So if you're a woman walker, you're really on the, you know, the bottom of the barrel. But we don't see it. And I would say, admittedly, uh, watching race walking is kind of hard to do because they look kind of quirky when they run. And that's all because they have two rules, rules to follow. They can, they can never lose contact with the ground. And their, their supporting leg as it comes under them has to stay straight. And so they have to wiggle their hips, you know, to, to, to be able to stay in the race. There's judges who are watching them walk in this race. And if you get enough tags, you know, you're going to get disqualified. Show me a running race that does that. Nah. Well, here we are in, in Philippians. And Paul chose to encourage the Philippian church family to walk in these verses today, except it's not race walking and it's not beach walking, it's joy walking. So let's see what is there, 17 to 21. 
Brothers, join in in imitating me and keep your eyes on those who walk according to the example you have in us. For many of whom I have often told you and now tell you even with tears, walk as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their end is destruction. Their God is their belly and they glory in their shame with minds set on earthly things. But our citizenship is in heaven and from it we await a savior, the Lord Jesus Christ who will transform our lowly body to be like his glorious body by the power that enables him even to subject all things to himself. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we are just grateful uh, to be able to hear your word today, uh, this um, treasure of a book that you have preserved for us to know how, how to live, how to follow you. Um, and we would pray as we go through the, these verses today, your Holy Spirit would be active, that, that our ears would be tuned to your voice, that he would uh, make our hearts a good soil for the seed that will be planted in it today. We love you, Lord. I pray the words of my mouth and the meditations on my heart are pleasing in your sight. O Lord, my rock and my redeemer, in Jesus' name, amen. <clears throat> so Paul's first instruction there in verse 17 for joy walking is just very simply, walk this way. Walk this way. He's saying, brothers and sisters, imitate me. And watch the people who you see, who have the example that we're showing, you know, and you see that in them, watch them too. Walk this way. Now, what way is he talking about? Uh, what example is he pointing to? Well, he just described it in the previous paragraphs in this chapter. He says there, turn from trusting in your own efforts and trust in what Jesus has done for you. Count all of your gains as losses so, uh, because of what Jesus has done to, for you. So let go. Let go of your titles, your accomplishments, your religious activity, your good works. Let go of all that so you can take hold of Jesus Christ. Do not depend on your own works for, to make you right with God, but depend on what Jesus is, has done to make you right with God. Depend on, the, depend on Him. Make knowing Him the greatest pursuit of your life. Wanting to know his resurrection power, even to the point of tasting death because of suffering. Give yourself to this pursuit, even at the expense of yourself, because Jesus deserves that kind of commitment and following and surrender and trust. Never be satisfied with how far you've come or where you're at, because there's more. There's more. There's more power. There's more love. There's more faith. There's more growing if you keep walking this way. And at the end of it, there's a prize. So forget your past achievements and disasters. Look toward the future. Strive, strain, struggle to take one more step to keep going to the end to see Jesus. This is how you should think if you're mature. And if you think another way, keep thinking about it and you'll come around. Be faithful to what God has done in your life. That's kind of a summary of what he wrote. Those are some of my favorite words that Paul writes in the Word. Always challenging. It's quite an example, isn't it? I mean, there's an example there of faith and surrender and leadership. There's an example of purpose and passion and perseverance. He's saying, here's your example, church. Here it is. Now walk this way. Make your life look like my life. You know, God created us to learn in different ways. 
Um, actually, there are seven different ways to learn. And one of them, you're kind of, you know, is easy for you. And then the rest of them you use, but they're not as easy. So we learn by hearing and by seeing and by doing. Uh, we learn by thinking it through logically, um, by ourselves, and in a group, and when we add music. Those are the seven ways that we learn. So one of those is going to be easy for you, but you're going to use all seven of them, and you can get better at the ones that are not easy for you. But Paul is using six of them to encourage us in how to walk. He's saying, walk this way. Hear my description of how to walk. See how I walk in my own life. Test it out in your life. Do it by yourself. Do it together. Think it through logically who Jesus is. How should I live? He's giving all of that. Now, he might be using music somewhere in there somewhere. We just don't know if he is. <clears throat> so this is learning by example. He's, telling, he's, he's saying we're, we're learning by example. Now, as followers of Jesus, we always need to be hearing that call to learn by example, to walk uh, this way. So when have you looked at another believer and you heard God whisper to you, walk this way? You know, walk this way. You know, I hear him um, just about every morning when I see my wife Lori sitting at the kitchen table with her Bible open and her prayer journal. I hear God say, walk this way. You know, when I hear Pastor Hubert is praying for my family when his family is in agony, I hear God say it, walk this way. Uh, when I see... 15 people show up on a Thursday night and sort clothes and put them on tables and then give their Saturday to love on people and tell them about Jesus. I hear it. Walk this way. When I see Jim bring, bring a Gail to small group on Wednesday night, I hear. Walk this way. You know, God's given me so many believers around me to see his example. I could, I could go on, I could mention more, uh, but I won't. I, I hear it, I see it, when I hear it and I see it, I hear God say, walk this way. It's learning by example. We don't ever want to stop hearing that call to live with faith, hope, and love. With purpose and perseverance. So we need to listen to Paul's instructions for joy walking here, because it's really God saying to us, walk this way. Now, at the end of chapter 2, we saw in the life of Timothy that our learning by example should eventually lead to leading by example. All right? So even though we're always going to be hearing the call to walk this way, as we grow in the grace and knowledge of Jesus, we're, we're going to eventually get to the place where we're saying walk this way to another believer. So we never stop hearing it, but at some point we're going to start saying it. I'm going to say, hey, follow my example. Now, in my experience in the church, not very many people ever say that. They, they never get to the place where they say, hey, follow me as I follow Christ. Walk this way. And, and there's an asundry of reasons why, why we do that. You know, we, we think we don't know enough. Uh, we think we don't measure up. Uh, we, we don't want to mess up. Um, we don't want to let somebody somebody down. 
There's all kinds of reasons. I mean, we just can't imagine saying like Paul to another believer, hey, follow me. Follow my example. But here's the thing we have to realize. Whether we say it or not, people are learning by our example. They're learning by our example. See, none of the people that I mentioned there, who I heard from God walk this way, said that to me, walk this way. They just showed an example of how they're following Christ. So the question is not, am I leading by example? The question is, what example am I leading with? That's the question. And so we got to remember. You, I mean, you remember that advice to parents about parenting. You know, in your home, your kids are going to do what they see you do, not what they, what, not what you tell them to do. You know, so values are caught rather than taught. So if you're talking about prayer, you're talking about loving other people, you're talking about being part of a church, you know, um, whatever you're talking about, if your words aren't backing it up, you can talk to your bull in the face and they're not going to get it. They're not going to catch it. So the same thing happens in church. So we got to think about the reasons, the reasons that would keep us from saying to another believer, walk this way. You know, and just like what pops up in our minds when we say, uh, if I would I even ponder doing that to another believer, hey, follow me as I follow Christ. What pops up that says, I can't say that? That's where God wants your attention. That's where he wants you to focus. So is my prayer life something that would be, could be a model for another believer to mimic? Is my marriage uh, an example that couples who are getting ready to be married could follow? Is my giving, would it inspire someone to give God's way? Would my calendar show what's really important in life? Eternal things. These are hard questions, I know. And you can ask, ask a lot of them. My goals for life. Do my goals for my life show that I have counted everything lost for the sake of knowing Jesus, my Lord? Is my desire to know Jesus great enough that it would even lead me to suffering? To know him more? So how much do my actions match up with my words? Where would God have me start changing my example so that what people see leads them towards God and towards his church and encourages faith? Where would it be? Heavy stuff. But hey, you've got to understand something. Joy walking is not done in the flatlands. It's done in the mountains where the road is rocky and it goes through valleys. But I want you to know something this morning. You can count on this. Every step of the joy walk is worth it. It is worth it. So keep learning by example. And pay attention to the leading by example that you're doing. And walk this way. Now in verses 18 and 19. Paul speaks of some others who are not following his example. And so he moves away from saying, hey, walk this way, to walk away from this. Walk away from this. And he says these others, they're not just a few people, but they're many. They're many people. 
And he's talked about them before, warning churches to not listen to teaching that is preaching, that's saying, hey, Jesus plus anything equals salvation. It has to be Jesus plus nothing equals salvation. He opened up chapter 3 talking about the dogs and the evildoers and the mutilators of the flesh. Those are people who were wanting or saying that you needed to be circumcised to be a believer. He's saying, watch out for these people. And I'll tell you, what he's describing there, there is no joy walking going on. It is law walking. Legal walking. Keep the rules to be in Jesus. Keep the rules to be holy. That's law walking. Walk away from this. But don't let that lead you to the other form of legalism. So one form of legalism is keeping the rules. The other form of legalism is breaking the rules. Because you can. It's all about the rules. Doesn't matter which way you go. It's all legalism. Oh, the church word to describe this is antinomianism. You try to say that with food in your mouth. <clears throat> so that's, that is uh, who se- who's Paul seems to be describing here. You know, people who are making their life about feeding their appetites. Their God is their belly. And they are glorying in their shame. They're flaunting their deeds that they should be ashamed of. And all of their focus is about this place. Things of this earth. He's saying walk away from this. Walk away from it. Now the waters get really muddy for us here in America on this. So we want to let, as we think about these words, you know, the God is their belly, the God, the God is their belly, they glory in their shame, um, thinking about earthly things. As we think about that, and with, with where we live, you know, our imaginations start to stir about, you know, who these people were back then, Paul's talking about, and who these people are like today, and if I am one of these people. I mean, that's, that's what gets going. Paul, Paul is saying that this group of people is connected to the church. And they have, they have said with their lips that they believe in Jesus, but they're saying with their lives that the, their God is really their appetites for food and sex. So their words are saying we belong to Jesus, but their witness is saying we belong to the world. And he calls them enemies of the cross. Now, it's not because they are actively trying to discredit Jesus or, or shaming him or, um, you know, they're not trying to attack or, or be against him. They're not actively saying, they're, they're saying, I'm for Jesus. I believe in Jesus. But they're enemies because of the way that they behave. They behave like an unbeliever. And when they do that, they're showing people a way a Jesus follower could follow Jesus. And that, that leads people away from Jesus and away from salvation. And Paul's saying the end of this worldly walk, there's going to be a surprise. These people are going to be destroyed rather than be delivered. And this is the reason why Paul's eyes well up with tears as he writes about them. He's broken over them. People who think they believe because they said a prayer when they were young or because they understand who Jesus is and what he has done and they agree with it or because they think, you know, God's grace just means he forgets about sin and I'm forgiven so I can go live like I want. That's who he's talking about. And you know what? Living in America today, we are immersed in this kind of Christianity. 
The people he's talking about are all around us. They are among us. Words that are not backed up by a witness. But they're just emptied because of a worldliness. You know, I found it rather humorous that God would have me preach these verses after coming off 10 days in Florida where all we did was try to have fun and feed ourselves. I mean, the most important question of the day was where are we going to eat dinner? And then I, I read these words. But really what it did was it gave me a fresh perspective on how to apply these verses to my life. You know, I, I, I'm not one of these people. I've been born again. I know that. But you know what? I can find myself walking on this path and not even when I'm on vacation. I can find myself on that path. I mean, it's way too easy to get on that path. Because of where we live, this wonderful, great country of ours, and the freedom that we enjoy, and the, the you know the places that we can go, and the things that we can do and eat, and I mean, it's incredible blessing to live here. But because of that, we want to take these these verses and let them be a lens that we look through uh, to our own lives and ask ourselves: Am I walking on this path? And if you're really brave, you want to ask another believer to say, hey, would you look through this lens and, at, and point out to me where I am? Am I walking on this path? How much do my appetites, how much do I live for them? For food and for sex. How hard do I work and sacrifice to make my appetites happy? How angry do I get when I cannot satisfy my appetites? Where is dinner? How satisfied am I when they do get happy? Very hard questions to answer because they are not black and white answers. But you know what? There are patterns that we need to be able to see. Our living our life, there are patterns in our life and they paint a picture That we have got to see. We've got to see it. Because listen, if you don't see it, and this is true of you, the worst is you're headed for destruction, and the best is you're an enemy of the cross. So we've got to look. Just by virtue of being Americans, we've got to look. Now that's just one of three descriptions here. Their God is their belly. What's it look like to glory... In your shame. Well, that means that you don't have any problem bringing what you do in the dark into the light. You know, shame is something that is a result of sin. A result of the fall. You see it in the garden when Adam and Eve sinned. They realized that they were naked. And what did they do? They, they go and run and hide. They were, they were running away from God. They were ashamed of what they did. And so that's, that's what they did. That's a result of the fall. It is why pornography is a secret sin. It is why late night trips to the fridge are late at night. It's why you wear a bathing suit at the swimming pool. Shame. But to glory in that is putting stuff out there that should be kept in the dark. I was trying to think about how 
you know, this, this happens in our world. And I, I think there was an example of it. When New York City passed the, the it's called the Reproductive Health Bill, um, where they basically said abortion is, is legal um, in, the, in the cases where it threatens the life, of, life and health of the mother. And they're basically preempting uh, to make sure abortion stays legal if Roe v. Wade gets overturned. And you know what they did to celebrate that? They lit up the One World Trade Center tower, pink, and they gloried in their shame. And heaven was weeping. I mean, how? I mean, they're they're passing laws overseas about abortion, and they're dancing in the streets. And I go, you know, I know there are many people sitting in church today that would disagree with what I just said. But if you look at the gospel, if you look at Jesus and his call, there is, that is all about giving up my life so someone else can live, not taking a life so I can save my own. It's the opposite. And that's where we have to start when it comes to the whole issue of abortion. It's a human being. And I realize, you know, we got the, another human being involved in the, in the mom. I realize that. It's, it's, so it's complicated. But by and large... Way, way, way outweigh the number of convenient abortions versus those that save the life of a mother. Just huge difference. Something's got to change. And I'm not talking about Roe v. Wade. I'm not talking about our laws. Hearts have to change. The gospel is the answer. If the gospel is at work in somebody, you don't need the law. So, the waters, again, they're muddy here. They're muddy. Um, even though this one might seem like it's more obvious to us. You know, ah, this isn't me. I'm not taking my sin out there and flaunting it on Facebook or whatever. But the problem is, this, what Paul is saying, is not the beginning of the path that he's talking about. It's down the road. The beginning of this path, where the end of it is you glory in your shame, the beginning of it is sin. And the longer we walk on the path and allow sin to just kind of stay in our life, the more okay we get with it. And the more okay we get with drunkenness or gorging yourself or gossip or flirting or you name it, whatever should be in the dark, and we start bringing it, the more it's okay in our lives, the more we start letting that show to other people. And all of a sudden, we are a believer glorying in our shame. Because we quench the Spirit of God. We knew a guy in, in our ministry days. Uh, he, was a, he was a recovering alcoholic. And he, he was married. And he had a family. He had a business. He was doing great. He was a small group leader. <clears throat> and he got hurt on one of his jobs. And the doctor prescribed some pain pills to him. And that stirred up his addiction. 
And he kind of just went crazy. I mean, it was all about that. He was living the party life. And it was not long before he lost everything. He lost his wife. He lost his family. He lost his business. He lost everything. When he ran out of money, he threw himself off of a roof to get hurt so he could get a prescription. He ran away from church for a while. He stopped in here maybe a year ago or so. And he was full of regret, full of remorse. I mean, this is years ago. And he was full of alcohol. Walk away from this. Sin is nothing to mess around with in your life. It will take you farther than you want to go, keep you longer than you want to stay, and cost you more than you want to pay. Walk away from this. Now, the last one, their minds are set on earthly things. Again, very muddy water. Uh, How much do we think about this life as opposed to the next life? How much do we think about the things that we can see as opposed to the things that we cannot see? Romans 8.5 says, For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh. How do we measure that? I don't know. (laughs) But here we got three things that Paul's saying. Walk away from this. So how do we do that? How do we walk away from it? This is starting to sound like a message, you know, to tell me not to, uh, to try not to sin. Work harder at not sinning. Well, just, no, that's not what I'm saying. That is not the answer. For every single one of these three things, there is a replacement. There is something you can replace it with. There is an instead. So instead of doing this, do this. Okay, so instead of focusing on feeding your appetites, focus on obeying the will of God. Remember Jesus in John chapter 4 when he's had his ministry with the woman at the well? And, and he's, uh, the disciples had gone into town to remember what they did. They bought food for their belly. And they came back and they said, Jesus, eat, eat, eat. And he's like, I got food you don't know anything about. And they're like, what? Somebody show up and give you a pizza? What? He says, no, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish his work. Have you ever worked so hard at something that you forgot to eat? I hear that happens to some people. Put all your efforts into feeding your faith each day. Feed your faith. Make it about doing the will of God. And the world's buffet will be less attractive and less satisfying. Instead of bringing your darkness into the light, bring your darkness To the light. The light of the world. We do that by confession. So we, you know, when we come here, we can, right where we are, we can bow our heads and we can get honest with God about what's going on in the dark in my life. We can confess that to Him and that will go a long way to keep us from walking on this path. Um, you know, this is, this is the only answer we have for sin in our life. I, I want to stress this to you. Trying harder to be a better person to not sin is not the gospel. And it is not good news for sinners like me. 
That's not what I'm saying. You know, that, that's really how the rest of the world's trying to live life. They're just trying to be a better person each day. So what's different about Jesus? It's different. He is the one, the only one, that has done anything about sin and can do anything to help you with your sin. Now, the Holy Spirit's been provided to us before we sin, you know, to convict us and to show us a way out of temptation. He gives us that escape. But if we fall, we can't just try to pick ourselves back up and dust ourselves off, say, I'm going to do better this week. Monday's coming, I'm going to do, I'm going to get it. It's not the way of Jesus. Romans 7, Paul writes a really good description of what it's like to try to live that kind of life. But at the end of it, he finds the solution. I I want you to read the whole chapter of Romans 7. That's some homework for you. Here's just a little bit from verse 22 to 25. He says, I love God's law with all my heart. But there is another power within me that is at war with my mind. This power makes makes me a slave to the sin that is still within me. Oh, what a miserable person I am. Who will free me from this life that is dominated by sin and death? Thank God. Thank God the answer is in Jesus Christ, our Lord. He's the answer. So the way to avoid glorying in your shame is to stop playing around with sin. And the way to stop playing around with sin is to take it to Jesus as quickly and as good as you can. Now listen, when you take your sin to Jesus, there is not a reprimand waiting for you. There is not a punishment that you will receive. There is not a, hey, here's the ten steps you have to do to get back into the good graces of God. It's none of that. You don't get any of that when you take your sin to Jesus. All you get is free and forgiven. That's a good spot to say amen. First John 1 John 1.9, if we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Now, if we find ourselves, if we, say we do that and we do it again and we do it again, we're doing it every day, we just keep following, we keep following, we keep, we're in this rut and we don't want to be in the rut, but we're in the rut then I would encourage you to find another believer that you could come to and you could confess your sin to them and ask them to come alongside you and help you walk away from this. Do not play around with sin. Bring it to the light before you start bringing it into the light. Because it will do damage to the cross of Christ. So instead of thinking about earthly things, think about things of the Spirit. Romans 8, verse 5, continues on into verse 6. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on the things of the Spirit. For to set the mind on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the Spirit is life and peace. So we want to fill our minds with God's Word. We want to have a constant conversation going on with God all day long, as often as we remember that He's with us. We want to take every thought captive to Jesus. Colossians 3, 2. Think about the the things of heaven, not the things of earth. I'm sure that you've heard this saying. He's so heavenly minded, he's no earthly good. 
Do they still say that? Well, here's what I, I want you to test that out. I want you to test that out in your own life and see if it's true. Because I believe the more you set your minds on the things of the Spirit, the more earthly good you're going to be. So test it out. See if it's true. Flood your life with the things of God. Flood your mind with God's Word. With God music. With God movies. With God books. Flood your life. And you know what God's going to do? He's going to have you doing some joy walking. It'll be joy walking. Now, in verses 20 to 21, Paul starts talking about the end of the joy walk for Christians. Their end is not destruction. Their end is a destination. He says, we're going home. And Jesus is there. So walk all the way. Walk all the way. Verse 20 starts with that important little conjunction, but... So not this, but that. But you are citizens of heaven. You're citizens of heaven, and that's where we're headed. You don't belong on the worldliness way with all your focus on this place. See, God's given you this new heart. He's put a new spirit within you, and it beats and, and urges you to walk the way you would be in the new place. You're made for a new place. So since the waters are, are muddy in our country, um, this really, it's one way to know if God has really saved you. I mean, when you take steps on a worldliness way, when, when it seems like that your God is your belly, your appetites, and there's things that you're throwing out there that, you know, you don't know what you're doing, and you're thinking about all the things of earth, when it, when it seems like when you take steps on there, do you find yourselves walking away from being... Uh, full, your appetizer is satisfied, do you find yourself walking away going, there's got to be something more than this. It's not what I expected. That meal should have really done a lot more for me than it did. That fun, that experience, you know, whatever it is, you walk away from walking on the worldliness way and go, man, that was the best thing I've ever experienced in my whole life. Or do you go, huh, it just kind of fell flat. Well, if this world can satisfy you, if this world can satisfy you, then you are still a citizen of this world and you need Jesus in your life today. And I want to encourage you to not go another day without asking Him to come into your life. Getting honest with Him about sin. Hey, God, this is me. I'm doing a crummy job of living this life. I am messing up. I'm, I'm hurting you. Jesus has died for me on that cross. He's forgiven my sins. I believe in him and what he did. Please, Jesus, come into my life. Make me a new person. Forgive my sin and set me to walk in your way. Don't wait another day to do that. Because he'll do it. You know, Jesus is the only one who will get you home. The only one. Now, if this world feels like a foreign country to you, more days than not, that's a good thing. It's a good thing to feel like a fish out of water. Because that means you're not of this place. That you've got a heavenly home waiting for you. And I just want to encourage you to walk all the way. Walk all the way. Now, I know, I know it's a long walk. I know it is. 
And I know it's a hard walk. But at the end of it, we get this brand new body. You know, that's not going to feel pain. Mm. Not going to wear out. I mean, I'm feeling yesterday. You know, Jubilee, I... Are you feeling it? I'm feeling it. I'm looking forward to the new body. It's kind of hard to imagine what that's going to be like. But Paul says it right there. We're going to have glorified bodies like Jesus. We're going to experience his resurrection power. So walk all the way. You know, the farthest I've ever been from home is when I go to India. And you know, it's a very foreign place. There's lots of people there. And it seems like all of them talk different, eat different, worship different. I mean, everything is different, dress different. But when I go there, you know, God gives me some tastes of home. You know, like McDonald's. I eat more chicken nuggets in India than I do all year here in America. When I go to church in India, you know, even though I don't understand their worship songs, it, it feels like home. And when I go into the house of another believer, you know, it's just like there's a connection there. It's a taste. It's a taste of home. So all those tastes, just God's mercy for me to, to just keep walking and being faithful to him while I'm there and not get homesick and hide away in my room, wait for the day I can go home. It's his mercy and grace to me that way. But I'll tell you, from the time that I step on the plane to go there, my heart starts longing for home. Longs for the physical comforts of home. My shower, my hot shower, you know, my bed. You know, but I'll tell you, of all the things that I long for from, of, of home, I long for my wife, Lori. From the moment we say goodbye at the airport, I start longing to see her again. You know, I, I'm thankful for technology where we can text when we're both awake. Uh, I can actually call her and hear her voice. Uh, but it is not the same as seeing her with my own eyes, you know, and being able to hug her and hold her hand. Listen, believer, while we're living here, God is giving us tastes of home. You know? Like when we come here together, this is a taste of home. When we were serving together yesterday, that was a taste of home. When we open up the Bible and we read and God speaks to us, you know, we're hearing His voice. He can text us. Doesn't even need to be charged up. He can text us. All these are tastes. They're tastes of our heavenly home. And they're going to they're help us keep walking. This, this long walk home. But the thing that we got to remember is of all these good tastes of home, when we get there, we get to see Jesus. And there is not going to be anything like that, is there? Where we get to see Him with our own eyes. We get to hear His voice live. We get to feel His embrace as he holds our hand and walks us into the kingdom and says, Welcome home, good and faithful servant. It is a long walk. Walk all the way. 
I know we're going to make it. Just stand with me. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we want to just praise you for this life that you've given us in Jesus. There is no other hope in the world that gives the forgiveness, the love, the future like he does. So we thank you for him. Our Savior, our God, our friend. Pray for those that need to know him today, Lord. They would take that step of faith. Let's trust in him with their whole life. And pray that they would be able to confess what's happening in their lives and see their need for him. Be able to walk with him out of here today. As we know, we, that's what we do. As, as his children, we walk out of here with him today. There's nowhere we go. That you're not with us. So we, we just can't praise and thank you enough, Lord. Pray for those that are feeling this walk today. That it's painful. It's feeling, it's feeling really long today. They're tired, weary. Lord, we ask your Holy Spirit to meet their needs. To touch their bodies to touch their hearts, to lift their spirits. You are the lifter of our head. Please, Lord, uh, pour out your grace on them today. And uh, as we go, shine your light through us into this dark, dark world. In Jesus' name we pray. Now God's people said, Amen. Amen.